Good morning, church. Well, in fact, it's not good morning. It is actually Friday afternoon right now, and I, along with everyone else, are sitting somewhere in my home watching this with my family. And so, you know, the reality is, I know some of you have said we, we've noticed a difference uh, when we were able to come back into the church in the way that you preached, Paul, versus the way that you were preaching earlier on in the spring when you were just doing it in front of a camera. And so here I am again back in front of a camera and I'm looking out at an empty room. And so I recognize that you can't simulate being together and I don't even in one sense want to try, although I want to try and be as authentic this morning to preach the word of God and to inspire you um, to, to live this out and, you know, I was thinking about how am I going to come into this knowing that uh, this isn't ideal. And so I had some worship on here. Actually, I listened to the set that we just watched together. And I thought, I'm going to just engage with the Lord. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to my heart. And so that I can convey um, to you in a way this morning, even just through a camera and through a screen, um, in a way that's going to be authentic. And so... Um, regardless of right now the restrictions that we have, it is good to be together in this way. And I, and I, I don't want to miss the timing of this. Uh, a few weeks back, I was thinking about how I was going to kind of, um, uh, how I was going to wind down this, this um, time that we've been on talking about formation as part of this series. And I, and I really felt that a message on silence and solitude was necessary, meaning the need for consistent time in silence and solitude in our lives in order to hear the Lord and grow in our apprenticeship to Jesus. And then this week hit, and some of the changes were rather unexpected. I certainly didn't expect that we would be out of church again this fast, and, and I, I thought immediately of the importance then of silence and solitude in this time. And I was thinking, about, oh, this is what I'm going to be preaching. And, and perhaps COVID actually has provided a season of growth of this time alone with Jesus uh, in your life. Now, if all of this wasn't enough, I, I recently started watching The Social Dilemma on Netflix. I'd been told by a number of people over the last while, you got to watch this. So finally, I've started watching it, and, and we actually started watching it with our kids, and it's, it's all about what social media is doing to our lives and to society, and closely linked to our phones and how we use them. And that, Now, I, I'd read a lot about this stuff and, and have become fairly acquainted with that connection of how we use our devices and, and the dopamine hits to our brains a new addiction really in our world. And so I knew a little bit about that, but what I didn't realize was the extent to which the creators of these various social media platforms are purposely using our human psychology against us. Like it is disturbing. And it's just another example why silence and solitude is needed, so needed in our lives. When, when nothing is occupying their times, a recent study found that 77% of young adults admitted that the first thing they do is reach for their phone. 
It's staggering how inclined we are to reach for a device when we feel bored. We just, we look for it now. I remember boredom as a kid, and some of you will remember this if you're old enough, and living in an age where the only portable device that I had and owned was a Sony Walkman and my lovely tape of U2 Octon baby that I wore out in that Walkman. But You know, the inclination to live online, to live on devices, surrounded by media, alerts on our phones, and just the high levels of busyness all have profound implications for our apprenticeship to Jesus. Now, I recognize that we're doing this right now as we're watching on screens because that's the only way that we can gather, but... This is a problem that we're dealing with. Our our hurried lives and what John Mark Comer refers to as our digital distraction. They're robbing us of presence, of being present to God and present to others. You know, a couple weeks back I mentioned how studies have shown that our attention span has dropped to less than that of a goldfish. Like how, now ask yourself, how do we have a spiritual life if our attention span is not longer than a goldfish. And, and the reality is that our phones are like dopamine dispensers right now. And that's not an exaggeration. They are distracting us into spiritual oblivion. And so this morning I want to talk about embracing silence and solitude. Looking at how Jesus lived this out and the impact in his life of it. And how does this intersect with our lives right now? I've touched on silence and solitude a few times throughout this series. Suggested it as part of an application of of talking about practicing the way of Jesus. And so I gave it to us as something that we could apply to our lives. Perhaps some of you did that. But I, I want to explore it with more depth this morning and invite you to make this a core practice of your spiritual life with Jesus. I believe that it is that important and crucial. And I I think that the current season of restrictions that we find ourselves in, and the uncertainty that accompanies all of this, and there's so much of that, shines a light on how badly we need this habit in our lives, and also presents us with the opportunity right now to pursue it. And so this morning, I want to I look at how Jesus embraced silence and solitude while on this earth and consider how then we embrace this in our lives. And then next Sunday, I want to go a bit farther. And, and I, initially, I thought this would be one message. And then I realized as I started just getting all the material together, I thought, no, this is two. So next Sunday, I want to go a bit farther. And I want to consider how this shaped Jesus' life and ministry and how that applies to our lives. I want, to, I want to look at how this practice helps us with our emotional health and our maturity in Christ. How we live in this tension of openly pursuing both the contemplative and the charismatic and how they actually point to the same things. I want to do that next week. But if you have your Bibles with you right now, I want to encourage you, open up to Mark chapter 1. As I kind of, I'm going to go through a little bit of this chapter this morning, just kind of touch on it briefly to draw out um, this topic on, on silence and solitude. So in Mark 1, we, we read of the baptism of Jesus there. Uh, in 
What verse is that? It is verse 11, where, where God the Father says, This is my Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is the affirmation of God the Father over Jesus. It's actually what defines Jesus and the rest of his ministry. I am the Son. I am God's Son. And God the Father is well pleased with me. That, that was the directive that... that um, that really shaped everything that Jesus did. But in the very next verse, Mark 1.12, it says, the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And, and I'm sure several of us, if we spent even a little bit of time thinking about it, and probably many of us have thought about this, we're a little bit confused by what happened here. Like we have to admit, this is an odd story. The Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness and he was tempted by Satan. The word there for wilderness is the Greek word eremos. And it can also be translated desert, deserted place, desolate place, solitary place, lonely place, quiet place. And, you know, and I always thought and was probably likely taught this, and maybe some of you were as well, that this story illustrates how Satan will try to tempt us and to deceive us when we're at our lowest point, when we're, when we're weak and weary. Like it's just like the devil to come at us in those moments and try to catch us and try to bring us down, right? And, but I think I've come to see that I think we have it backwards. Dallas Willard says this. He says, most to whom I have spoken to about this matter are shocked about the wilderness. The place of solitude and deprivation was actually the place of strength and strengthening for our Lord and that the Spirit led him there as he would lead us there to ensure that Christ was in the best possible condition for the trial. In that desert solitude, Jesus fasted for more than a month. Then and not before, Satan was allowed to approach him with his glittering proposal, bread, notoriety, and power. Only then was Jesus at the height of his strength. The desert was his fortress and place of power. Throughout his life, he sought the solitary place. Why is it that Jesus has to confront the devil in the wilderness after 40 days of fasting? Because it's only after over a month of prayer and fasting in the quiet place that Jesus actually had the capacity to defend himself and to defeat the devil. What we see here is that the wilderness actually isn't a place of weakness, but rather a place of strength. And we see this later in Mark, here in Mark 1. Verse 16, if you want to jump there, it begins with this uh, account of a full day of ministry in the life of Jesus. And so it begins by Jesus calling some of, his, uh, some of the men who were to become his disciples. And then we see he's, he's going to the synagogue and he's teaching, did some demonic deliverance. The people are stirred up, of course, because like, who is this guy? And then he went with some of his disciples after that to Peter's house and he healed Peter's mother-in-law. And then it goes on and it says at sundown, that whole evening, uh, sorry, at sundown that evening, the whole town came to Peter's house, says, and, and they brought those who were sick and demon oppressed. And Jesus likely, we don't, it doesn't say exactly how long, but he likely spent hours in ministry to those people. 
Now, it doesn't say this in the text, but I would suggest that at the end of that, Jesus is well beyond exhausted. Like, there's lots of responsibilities there in that day that he undertook. And I'm sure he got to the end of that and was like, oh. And, and we might think along our cultural norms of this. Like, like when, we, when we experience this, like, I just, I just need to chill. I just, I just need to go see a movie and relax, kick back. I just need to have a beer. I just need to binge on some Netflix. Or I just need to, you know, spend some, just zone out watching some football or whatever it is. But what, what do we see Jesus do? Verse 35, it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Anyone want to guess what the word is there for desolate place? Yeah, it's Eremos again. He went into to the Eremos. And I believe that we're meant to see something in the text here. On, on the heels of his time in the wilderness and his confrontation with the devil, we see Jesus engaged in ministry for one day. Yeah, a really busy day, but one day. And then where is he? He's right back into the Eremos, into the solitary place, the quiet place. And what we're meant to see here, I believe, is that the quiet place wasn't a one-time thing. It was an ongoing practice for Jesus. Luke's gospel mentions all over the place Jesus' inclination for the quiet place. There's no less than nine mentions of it by Luke. And in Luke 5.16, he says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. Again, the Eremos and prayed. What we, what we see in Luke is that as Jesus' ministry's demands actually get busier, his time in the quiet place increased. There's a pattern that Luke draws out of that. And so when life gets busier, or when pressures increase on us as they are right now, and we're all feeling that, you need more time, not less time, in the quiet place with God. But what happens typically when we get busier? If you're like me, all of a sudden time alone with God in the quiet place is the first thing to go. The, the very thing that for Jesus was the axis of everything, the eremos, the very thing that grounded and prepared Jesus is the first thing to go in our lives. Now in Mark 6, you can turn there if you want. I'm just going to kind of touch on it briefly. But in Mark 6, we see Jesus take his disciples away to a quiet place. Two times there, it's mentioned. But, but the plan is, is interrupted by crowds that found out where they were going and they followed them. And all of a sudden, there's all these people. This, this happens to all of us. Maybe not large crowds of people following us, but this, this happens to us. Life gets busy. There's, there's interruptions. There's unexpected pressures that we didn't see coming. Needs that we have to attend to that we can't just ignore. And in Mark 6, Jesus welcomes it all. And he attends to the people. The, the disciples, they, they want to get rid of the people. They're like, Jesus, like send them away, right? And this is, this is we know this is the feeding of the 5,000, but there's, there's other stuff going on here. Jesus gives of himself here. But as soon as the people have left, what do we see? Jesus, he sends his disciples, he tells them to get onto a boat, sends them to the other side, and he goes up on the mountainside to pray. 
to his quiet place. And amidst his exhaustion, I'm sure Jesus was physically exhausted again. Jesus spends hours with the Father. It says there in the text that Jesus didn't come to see the disciples on the water until between 3 and 6 a.m. in the morning, the middle of the night. Jesus spent hours with his Father. I, I find these accounts of Jesus and his commitment to the quiet place so so encouraging amidst these days. You know, just this week at home group, we, were, we spent some time looking actually at Mark 1 together from a different perspective. But as we were doing that, I was reminded that, you know, while it's good to break down verses and grow our theological understanding, and you, you know, I'm all for that. I love that. But there's also just a, a, a simplistic, overarching kind of nature to all this, that when Jesus says, follow me, big picture, he's saying, Follow my practices. Model your life after me. So we don't, we don't just look at words and verses and pull those apart. We're to see the way that Jesus lived and calls us to live. And so amidst new restrictions and less control, right now there's the real threat to grow really frustrated, really angry, resentful at what's happening there's exhaustion, there's fatigue that we're facing. We, we feel it in our bodies. We feel it emotionally and psychologically. And, and, and maybe for some of us, silence and solitude can almost feel out of reach. In Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, where a family lives close together in a constricted place and the individual does not have the quietness they need, hands up, parents, regular times of quiet are absolutely necessary. After a time of quiet, we meet others in a different and fresh way. I read that and I was like, yes, yes, yes. Because like Jesus, we need to embrace the quiet place, the solitary place, the place of silence and solitude with God. Throughout the Gospels, we, we see this reality for Jesus of, of needing time and a fair bit of time in the quiet place. And, and somehow we think that we don't need it. Jesus himself saw the need of it. So how, how do we embrace this in our lives? How, how does this become part of our lives? Because it, it, it's got to be practical, Right? It's commitment to this amidst real life, just like it was for Jesus. Jesus was living a real life on this earth and, and, and figuring out how to be led by the Father. So how do we do this? Well, there's, there's two dimensions to silence. There's, there's the external and there's the internal. And perhaps we haven't thought of it like that, but I think we need to. Now, the external is kind of self-explanatory. No, no sound, no music, no TV, up early, right? Maybe, maybe for you that, for me that's certainly the case. I like to be up early. Maybe for some of us it's out in nature, but it's in the quiet. Now quiet is actually a spiritual discipline in and of itself. It's, it's been said that entering into silence is entering into joy. In C.S. Lewis's book, Screwtape Letters, I'm sure some of you have read it, but it's a satire novel about a, a senior demon whose name is Screwtape. And he's writing or sharing with this 
younger demon how to sow temptation into the life of a new Christian so that they'll lead him away from Christ. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's really phenomenal. But in there, Screwtape speaks of how the devil's realm is a kingdom of noise. And he says this, we will make the whole universe a noise in the end. There's a prophetic edge to those words that when we look at what's happening right now in our world. And it's so helpful to ask ourselves, why do we find silence so difficult? Why, why do we feel this constant inclination to be listening to something, watching something, having sound on in the background, just not, not ever being able to just have silence? Maybe the question is, are we using external noise to drown out the internal noise that we feel? The mental chatter that never ends, the replaying of certain events, lustful thoughts, fantasies of all kinds in our brains, the worry, the anxiety, the obsessing over hypothetical scenarios that might happen. It's the clutter of our minds. And you know, really when we think about that, External noise is easy to shut off in comparison. Internal noise is a whole nother matter. But we need to silence both. Just this morning, I got up early. No one was awake in the house. I, I made my coffee in the silence. And I, I, I was there sitting in a chair in the dark. No external noise, just me and the Lord. And I realized that I had external silence. But all of a sudden I realized that I didn't have internal silence. There was noise. There was distractions that I was aware of that were going on in my mind. I actually believe that there is great opportunity for the church in these days, for us as individuals to engage with the Lord. I think this is a phenomenal opportunity. These, these are crucial days for the Western church. How you come out of this will have an incredible impact on your apprenticeship to Jesus. We need, we need to listen and hear God in these days. It's, we're, we're so, it's so desperate right now. There's, there's all kinds of ideas, opinions, and views vying for your attention. And the question I would ask of myself and of you is, are you spending time with Jesus in the quiet place? So silence is external and internal silence. It takes time to develop. It takes time to feel comfortable in this. And I would say this. If you're like, I just don't know. I, it feels weird. It feels hard. It could just, I, I struggle with this. I'd be like, yes, keep going. Keep pursuing it. Keep creating this habit. Keep, keep pursuing this discipline in your life. It's worth it. So what about solitude? What is solitude? Well, it's alone with God and alone with your soul. It's specifically the intentional practice of time with God. You're in solitude to meet with God. Solitude is not isolation. Solitude is engagement where isolation is escape. Solitude is how you open yourself up to God. Solitude is when you set aside time to feed and to nourish your soul, to pray and to listen and to be with God. Richard Foster says, loneliness is inner emptiness. Solitude is inner fulfillment. 
And I would agree, this is probably easier for introverts, for sure. I find it easier to enter into and to stay quiet. But it is something that we all need. Throughout history, the church and and church leaders have agreed that, that silence and solitude is imperative for followers of Jesus. You have to set aside time to be alone with God if you're to grow and to have life with God. Richard Foster says this, he says, we must seek out the recreating stillness of solitude if we want to be with others meaningfully. We must seek the fellowship and accountability of others if we want to be alone safely. We must cultivate both if we are to live in obedience. You know, community without solitude actually goes by many names. Anxiety, depression, frustration, emotional immaturity, and the list goes on. But solitude without community is isolation, a real threat amidst these days right now for all of us. I think we all feel that right now where we we are forced into solitude, but we need community. We all need community, and we need to be living in missional community together. I think the sun is actually, I know right now as I'm recording this that I'm seeing that the sun is really in my, my face, so I'm hoping that, that moving this a little bit will help. But, you know, when we talk about living in missional community, you go, but, but Paul, that's, that's difficult right now during COVID. And you're right, it is. It, right now, what we're facing right now, it is difficult. But something, it's something that's desperately needed in the church in the days to come. And I'm not, I'm not just preaching this for right now. I am, but I'm, I'm also preaching this to sow this into us for the days to come. We all need silence and solitude. And I think that we all want this. We crave what comes out of this, actually, and that is life with God. I believe that all of us crave that. In his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer wonders if we don't feel safe enough to admit how separated we feel from God amidst our lives, that we're afraid to admit that we aren't experiencing his love and his joy and his peace in our lives as much as we want to project we, we may actually look at church as where we go for our God hit before we return to the secular wasteland. And he wonders, is it more about our distraction than God's disconnection? This is, this is where we have the invitation to embrace silence and solitude as Jesus did. Living the way of Jesus out of a desire for the life of Jesus. And so I would ask us, and I wonder, do do we see the incredible opportunity before us right now to foster these times of quiet in our lives? We can look at this time right now with frustration and angst and uncertainty, or we can look at it and go, God, I am going to choose to welcome this as a gift because I want to go deeper in you. And before you tell me, look, I don't have the time. You just don't, I, I just don't know how I'm going to do this. You don't know my life. I would ask you, okay, how much time a week do you spend on social media? 
How, how much time a week do you spend watching Netflix or some other streaming fl- platform? How much time do you spend on your phone? How much time do you spend watching TV? I think that all of us have the time. Because this is something that God, he invites us into. This is something that God has ordained for us. I want you to consider what's at stake. What what I'm about to suggest is actually normal life for many. Perhaps some of you identify with this. Begins where you're just, you're feeling distant from God. Living off someone else's spirituality. It might be a podcast feed or, or, or multiple podcast feeds. It might be short devotionals in the morning, but you're living off someone else's spirituality. And so we feel distant from ourselves. We, we've lost a sense of our identity and calling. We're sucked into the tyranny of the, of the urgent. There's this undercurrent of anxiety just always flowing through us. We're always behind. We've always, we're, we're just, we're exhausted we can't wait, actually, to just get some rest and we go to bed. And, and then as, as we're, but we're in this period of, of just anxiety and exhaustion. We turn to our addiction of choice. Maybe it's another glass of wine. Maybe it's the latest show to binge watch. Maybe it's social media to get lost in. Or maybe it's porn. And what happens is we become easy prey for Satan. And we feel distant from God and our own souls. We live from the surface of our lives and not from the core of who God has called us to be. Something small sets us off at work with our spouse, with our kids, with our friends. And it's this cyclical nature where we're, we're just not coming into contact with who we are. But there's a different path to follow. We find a quiet time and place. We slow down. We start to feel our emotions, and we'll talk more about that next week. We create space for God. So I want to I end this morning by inviting you into some very practical application for this week. I want to invite you to commit to 10 minutes a day of this solitude. And and more. If you can do more, do more. Absolutely. It's a gift. But commit to 10 minutes where you're going to find 10 minutes to get alone in a quiet place. And you're going to get alone in the quiet with no agenda but to listen. You're going to read a psalm, pray, and listen to God. I believe that you will be astounded by the impact of that in your life this week when you do that. And you find meeting with God. And, and again, it might take a little bit of effort and time and you're like, I just don't know. And again, my encouragement is keep going. It's worth it. Keep sowing into this habit in your life. Now, everything that I'm talking about and have talked about today, all of this flows from the life of Jesus, from relationship with Jesus all of it. It's, it's responding to the gospel, the good news 
of Jesus. And this is what the gospel says to us, each and every one of us. The gospel says that you are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe. Yet you are more accepted and loved than you ever dared hope because Jesus lived and died in your place. That is the gospel in really simple terms, but it's profound. A great exchange takes place when we put our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so I invite you this morning to surrender your life to Jesus and to enter into a relationship that offers you this true life, this abundant life in the way of Jesus. And so I want to pray this morning together as we end. Lord Jesus, we want to accept everything that you have for us. Lord, we recognize that this past week and this coming week is not what we would want. Lord, we recognize that it is, it's hard, Lord, that there's hard aspects to what we're walking through, Lord. And it, 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 it puts us on the edge of feeling frustrated and angry and just full of anxiety. Lord, we recognize that. But Lord, we also know the truth of your word and that you're working all things, all things right now together for our good to make us more like your son. And we want to say yes to that. And so we want to ask, Lord, that you would help us this week to enter into this quiet place, into this practice, this habit, this discipline of coming and meeting with you of engaging in silence and solitude. Lord, I want to pray that you would help us as your people this week to enter into this and to experience your life as we follow your way. Jesus, we trust you. We know that you're good and we love you. And we pray this all in your incredible name, Jesus. Amen. We're going we're gonna to end here with another worship song by Martin Smith that I just want to encourage you to worship and to invite the Lord to minister to you this morning. I want to encourage you in these days to reach out. If you want to get a hold of us, we're here. We'd love to connect with you in ways that we can. So email the church or call us. We'd love to reach out for you reach out to you. And, and we want to encourage you, join us this coming Wednesday. We're going to be meeting for prayer on Zoom, nine o'clock. Come and join us as we pray and seek the Lord together and minister to one another. Church, have a wonderful week. Well, I know this isn't ideal and this isn't normal and we feel like we're, oh, we're back to this again. But God is faithful and God is good and Jesus loves his church and he's faithful to us. And so we we want to live in that truth in these days. Amen.